Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to the Comfort Zone. I'm your host, Joe Barksdale. Uh, for the first time visitors, as well as the repeat offenders, thank you all for checking us out. This is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses of music, sports, and comedy, or arts and entertainment. Today, we have a guest. But before we get into it, I just want to let y'all know this is not a replacement for therapy. I am not a therapist. Uh, I do see a therapist. And as you, as I always say, we're going to have therapists out here eventually. This ain't the day, though. Um, so like I said, we have a guest. We have another comedian guest, which is always exciting. It's exciting to talk to anybody that I like at this point, because like, there's a lot of people I don't like. So <laughs> without further ado, I'm gonna go to the feelings wheel. Then I will um, introduce our guest by name and then he'll tell us how he's feeling right now. And then he'll introduce himself from there. We let the guests introduce themselves. So today, right now, I feel, uh, honestly, I feel awful. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's a physical feeling. It's not a mental feeling. Mentally, I feel I'm excited, but like physically, I feel awful. I'm getting back in the gym this week and it's been like a month and I'm feeling it. But yeah, enough about me and my physical pain. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with my great pleasure. I don't even know if that's grammatically correct. It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you, Nate Klingon. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here, Joe. Thank you for having me, man. It's my pleasure. Um, so do I just jump right in? I think that was grammatically correct as well. Nice. Um, do I just jump into the feelings wheel? Just go Just go into it? Mm-hmm. Feelings wheel and then uh, you can either tell us about yourself and then feelings wheel or feelings wheel and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Dealer's choice. All righty. Well... Like Joe said, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian along with Joe. I'm one of the I'm one of I think five people that Joe likes, and I hold that in, I hold that in high regard. I'm very proud of that fact, actually. Um, Joe does dap me up That's when true. we see each other in public, and and I and I hold on to that. <laughs> I'm very proud of that fact, actually. I call my mom every time. I call my mom. I'm like Joe. Actually, Joe said hi to me again today. <laughs> And she's like, Joe, she's like, that's because Joe's your friend. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Joe doesn't do that. If I'll be honest with you, I have the same conversations with my wife. Like, I'm like, so-and-so was so nice to me today. She's like, why wouldn't they be? And I'm like, you know my past. Like, you, you know where I'm coming from. That's why. You're like, just, you're like, you're like, I don't need you to fix the problem. I just need you to listen. Yeah. Like, that's what I need you to celebrate this win with me there. Please. God, now grab a Dude. bottle of beer and let's go. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'd say I'd say I'm feeling a combination of inspired and unfocused. Okay, that's a weird combination. If I had to, if I had to. so where's the insp- where's yeah. the inspiration coming from? I I've been feeling like I've been feeling very like kind of like stationary as of late. Okay, and. I've just like kind of just like been thinking about like stand up and everything and like comedy and performing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I need to do that more. Like I need to just be on a stage more. And so with that, you know, you know how like that kind of like that thought process kind of spirals mm-hmm. and then like it just snowballs. And, uh, but with that, I'm also feeling very unfocused because I'm, I have a very hard time just like looking at the next step mm-hmm. And it's, I'm all big picture. Like I was planning my fourth special 
the other day. Oh damn! And I haven't even done I haven't even done twenty minutes anywhere. I mean, I will say this, and I know that's, different people will have different thoughts on it. I don't think anything's wrong with. I don't know because I, I I wish I could do that. Like I talk all the time. I was recently on somebody else's podcast, and she was talking about like speaking things into the future and that kind of thing. I would consider that what I'm trying to work toward. I mean, I'm I'm just saying like I don't view that as like a bad thing. It's not like you a not funny guy. You know, <laughs> if you weren't funny, yeah. then I'd be like, hey, let's let's get that 15 together. But but yeah, <laughs> you're like, hey, you're like four. You think? No, nah, I just see that as like you know where you want to go, and I don't think anything's wrong with that. I think. And I mean, you know, I'll tell people, I tell people um, all the time when we're out, like, you know, they ask me what I'm trying to do or whatever. Like, I'm very upfront with it because that's where I'm trying to go. I'm not just going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah. I just, I just want to make a living. Because I already made a living. Like, I, don't, I just want to make people laugh. Yeah, I can make people laugh at home. Like, I'm trying to be one of the best to ever do it. I want to win the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. That is on my goal sheet. And like, I don't think yeah. anything's wrong. So some people would argue like, well, damn, Joe, you're trying to win the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. Why don't you have your fourth special planned out? You know? Yeah. Perspective. But it's, it's kind of that thing where it's like, where it's like, yeah, I have my fourth special planned out, but then I also like, I need like a new 10 minutes. Like that's a, like focus back up. Nate. But, but sometimes it comes from, so I, kind of, where, I, I think sometimes that can be creative too. Cause you think about like the special, what you want to say. And you start rambling about things that mean something to you. And sometimes that's where the material comes from. Kind of working your way to it. Yeah. Like like my first special, I knew yeah. I wanted to talk about mental health. I knew I wanted to incorporate the Miss Daddy stuff. Um, I want to talk about specifically autism, not just mental health, but autism. And I wanted to talk about football, too. And that kind of... It, 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 uh, it helped me pick the material that's going to go into that special um, yeah. as opposed to like putting the material together and then like, Oh, this is the, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, everybody's got a different process. Don't be super critical about yours. Cause it ain't like you quit comedy. So. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like that. What Steve Martin says about like trying to like finding your voice on stage. He's like, picture yourself at your best. Mm -hmm. And then, work to what that is he's right like yeah that's honestly that, why that's, i stopped caring about i mean i feel like since you've known me like i, I don't I, I don't give a fuck like i mean i care but like you know like i don't care yeah about like what people think about me or certain things because at the end of the day you ain't gonna make everybody happy but you can make yourself happy so yeah I, but I say that to say that's how I found my voice with music and that's how I found my voice with comedy. I do think I had like the cheat code from coming from music, finding my voice with music because it wasn't like it's not, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But I do yeah. know what you're saying though. I feel that. Okay. I want to pick your brain about this. What do you, because I had this thought the other day. Okay. And I need, to, I need to ask you and Daniel this because I know you and Daniel are going to be like, you're insane. What if what if I titled a special White Savior? Yeah, I don't see no wrong with that. And did like some like kind of Gerard Carmichael type stuff. Cause you know, because like because from what you stuff. Like Gerard Carmichael, it's more of just like that, like I guess like 
really saying something Mm -hmm. like he's like actually making a statement but through the lens of comedy which i mean it is comedy at the end of the day but you know like there are some people where it's just like oh you are just trying to you're just trying to make people laugh or like Mm -hmm. this is you know what i mean yeah and so what i was thinking i because i feel like that's kind of what i do like my like what i want to be able to do is to have material that everyone relates to and everyone laughs at and it's like it works kind of like a nate bargatze john mulaney eddie murphy type thing Mm -hmm. but then i was thinking i was like doing three specials like that and then have the fourth where it's like white savior and that's like the one where it's like oh this is the special that he's like he's talking about he's talking about shit i think it could work because i mean obviously it's like i feel like calling it white savior is the irony of it yeah and which i i don't know i just i just enjoyed the idea of it i was like that kind of sounds cool yeah i mean and you got to remember too like yeah by that time you're talking about your fourth special like yeah you will be in the gerard carmichael place where like this is my artistic expression you know and people you're right people will know you and they they'll know like oh well, we're not just going to show up and laugh for like 60 minutes and we're only going to laugh for 55. He's going to say something. And that's that's your voice. Like, I, I feel like that part where you were talking about, like, you know, I want to say something. You obviously want to say things that are important to you um, and get, yeah. these, get these thoughts across. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I will say, one, I don't see an issue with that. But, two, be ready for that to change. Like, and I, I'm telling you from experience, like, and th- now nah, we're talking music, but like I had, um, you know, I got an album that's coming out later this year. I wrote that album yeah. like two years ago. I wrote another album right after that album that I thought was going to be coming out next year. I ended up realizing that I'm a much better musician, producer, writer, all that now. So I scrapped it and started over. It's still the same concept and it's still the same like overarching thing, but everything else about it has changed. Um, like all the little details yeah. and stuff. So just be ready for that to happen too. Cause you know, I mean, being a creative, sometimes your process pivots, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You grow and you're, and you become better. Yeah. And yeah. and you, I mean, and when you get better, your focus may change. Like you may right now want to talk about dudes not washing their hands in the bathroom, but then five years later, you want to talk about like, Shitty relationships and not just like the shitty relationships with, you know, between uh, significant others, but shitty relationships between like human beings, you know, bosses and employees, comics and audiences, fans and athletes. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. The world's your oyster, bro. I think that's the cool. I think it's the cool thing with comedy is it's like some I, I forgot who said it, but it was, somebody said like comedy is the only profession where you can use everything that you know. That's true. Somebody asked me that the other day, like, what, what would you choose if you had to pick one between music and comedy? And I was like, I pick comedy. Music, like, I am 90% myself. Comedy, I'm 100% myself. Because I don't really... Yeah, because like, you have to be. Yeah, and I don't really cuss in my songs and shit like that, but clearly I do cuss. You know, fuck shit damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? You know what I mean when I say that? You know? But yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's how long have you been doing comedy, by the way? Uh a year. Okay. I'd say like like doing it and being like I am doing comedy. I'd say a year. A year. But I've been like doing it 
I'd say like I've been doing it like it's been something involved or in maybe it. like yeah for for longer. I just I hate I hate uh, answering that question. Why? Because I feel like it's always like uh, like a, how long you been doing comedy, and then it's like a comparison like oh you're here having been doing comedy this long. Because eh. and it's it's a, I I don't I don't know maybe that's just me in my head. That's always how I perceive it. Whenever somebody's like, "How long have you been doing comedy?" and it's always just like, "Let me check, let me check how how good you are based on where you're at in X amount of time." Yeah, half the time that's people trying to project their insecurities on you, but the other half, people may be trying to help you or impressed or jealous or whatever it is. I mean, because you remember, like, well, you don't remember, but like I used to play in the NFL. And, like, people would always talk about how they've been playing football since, like, the fifth grade, since they were four years old. No, like, Joe, when did you start yeah. playing football? I'm around 16, 17. I got kicked out of an engineering camp. Didn't know anything about sports before I started playing football. I can't I can't be apprehensive about how they respond about that because it's the truth. And I feel like you should yeah. be the same way, you know? Like it's, these are just the facts. It's like somebody asking you the weather, you know? Yeah. So if y'all see Nate, make sure yeah. you give him shit about doing comedy. No, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, make sure you ask him how long he's been doing comedy because he'll think about it the rest of the night. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, and I know we've had this conversation, but other people will want to know, what got you into comedy? Like, what's, you know, what's been your relationship with comedy? Um, I, so I think the, I think the first thing, like, I was, I, I really didn't know who, I was or like what I was good at for like a good portion of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I was not athletic, super small. Um, like Brianna called you chicken little. She called me chicken little. And that's not the first time I've heard that. (laughs) I figured she was like, do you think, do you think you'd be offended if I said that? I was like, I don't think so. Honestly, it's probably not the first time, (laughs) but I wouldn't roll those dice today. Like (laughs) I wouldn't roll those dice. I didn't like the way Nate came in, so I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't. <laughs> Don't agitate him. <laughs> I wouldn't push him over the edge. <laughs> They'll take his side in court. <laughs> um, but yeah, like no, it was it was that it was I was chicken little, and I didn't like really just I didn't like have anything, and then um, my dad was a uh, was a nurse and he worked nights. Okay, and so we would have to go pick him up super late at night. And so my mom would just put on Comedy Central mm-hmm. and we would just watch special after special after special. And like, I had never felt anything like that, like laughing that much. Mm-hmm. Just at somebody just like on stage with a mic, nothing else. And then I realized when I would go to like school and stuff, making people laugh, I felt that same thing. I was like, oh, this is the best feeling on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wanted to perform. Like I'd always wanted to like either do acting or music or um or anything but then when i found comedy i was like this is this is my bread and butter okay how old were you when you yeah. when you would say that you like came to that realization like this is this is it i think i want to say like 14 okay because because i think i had talked about it and then um at a i was at a church camp and we were having like a, we were having like a talent show Mm -hmm. and my group, like my, my group of guys had no, had nothing prepared. Everyone else had something prepared. We had nothing. Nobody else had anything prepared. And so I remember one the guy had come up to us and he was like, Hey, he was like, what is this group doing for the talent show? 
And one of my friends just out of nowhere was just like, oh, Nate's going to do comedy. <laughs> and I was like, I am. Excuse me. And like, this is like four foot 11, maybe 90 pounds, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> no material, has never done anything close to this, like, at all. Yeah. Went up fully improvised, crushed. Nice. For a 14 year old. Nice. Let's, yeah. Um, I think it was more surprise than anything. I don't know if it was enjoyment of the material. I think it was just more surprise. Um, but after that, and in a narcissistic way, the recognition I got from that, I was like, this is this is it. Yeah. Would you say that, like, because yeah. um, you were just talking about the, the recognition and attention and so forth. Um, and if at any time any of these questions you want to skip over them, just say skip. Do you think that oh, yeah. that's something that could be traced back to your childhood in terms of, you know, wanting to be seen and heard and appreciated? Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, I think it's just mainly from like my school, like my school life. Okay. And you're from and Austin, like Texas, kinda, right? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much lived here my entire life. Nate's like the only dude um, from Austin that I met in Austin. <laughs> yeah and dude and like period yeah. like they, everybody gets everybody freaks the hell out when they're just like when they find out i'm from austin you don't seem like you're from um, austin like you, you seem like you're from no. like a big city i mean austin's a big oh, city 100 percent. but yeah yeah i de- yeah i definitely i'm i definitely have big city energy i feel bce um bce um but yeah i i, it de- I think it definitely came from uh just my social, my like elementary school, middle school social life, just kind of, I, I mean, being chicken little didn't get a whole lot, a whole lot of attention. And what attention I did get was mostly negative because sense. I couldn't do A or B. But when I found the thing I could do and I got, I finally was getting positive recognition for it. I was like, why would I, why would I not do this? This is this is the best thing ever. And it's not just comedy. It's like just from performing, mm-hmm. I was able to find that, uh, that recognition and I guess appreciation. And I was like, Oh, this is what that feels like. It's funny. I was looking for that in football, like growing up. I mean, I know you didn't ask, but the way that I got into comedy, it's funny. Cause like <laughs> you talk about, like I was bullied a lot and shit like that too, because I, you know, I was a bigger kid. So I would be mistakenly placed with like kids who were usually older than me. Um, and you know, they would tease me, beat the shit out of me, the the normal. Um, but I use comedy, like, I want to say I got funny around like four or five. I use, I've always used comedy as a shield for my emotions. Like my parents were always talking about how expensive of a kid I was. And I, like, I remember when I was three years old, like I got molested at daycare and I feel like Later on that day, like my parents asked me, you know, like, how was your day? And I think that was the first time I did something goofy, like on purpose. And since then, I'm like, oh, if I can make people laugh, they won't. They won't actually know how I feel on the inside and I can just keep that to myself. Um, But that's I mean, that's how I got into like being funny. I learned that like super young. Like if you were funny, you could change the subject. You know, like nothing else really mattered if people were laughing. And um because Brianna, my wife, uh, she told me, like, back in high school, I should try to do comedy. I actually did my first stand-up set in high school at football, at my first football camp. I seen Damon Wayans, The Last Stand, 
And I was like, have you guys seen the Damon Wayans The Last Stand? And then, of course, everybody's like, no. And I just performed it, like the entire thing, for an hour. <laughs> you just did Damon Wayans? Yes. And that was my first ever stand-up set. <laughs> um, and, like, I traveled, like, with my grandma. Damn, I ain't telling nobody this for real. I used to travel around with my, uh, but it's the comfort zone. You know, we being open right now. I used to travel with my grandma yeah. to a bunch of church conventions and stuff. And I would do the talent shows which was usually some kind of poem. And I would like be improvising comedic parts every like two or three lines. So I guess I've been performing in front of people for a while, but I do remember like, even as a kid, like when people would laugh at things that I said, I felt like I had actually successfully communicated with somebody and it became addictive. And it's not anything that I, I mean, even in the league, people would be like, bro, you should be a comedian, you know, but it always looks so intimidating. Um, yeah. But, you know, thank God for all the fucked up things that happened in the background, because that's how I got funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's I, I, OK, it's it's a serious thing, but like. <laughs> we're all going to suffer. You either get bitter or you get better. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's comedy. Comedy definitely teaches you how to read people, I think, in a way that it teaches you how to read people. Yeah. Because I can't read. I think it teaches you... Oh, I can't read at all. No, no, no. I mean, I can't read people. I don't know if you knew that. Like, oh, I can't yeah, read yeah. faces. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. I do know that. <laughs> or social situations. <laughs> Woo. Joe, but you're, di- you're diagnosed. It's okay. That's true. But it's funny because yeah. I, I do remember, like, vividly responding to people's, uh, like, material. Like, they were really asking questions, but they were really setting up jokes. I didn't get you it. You do that now. I do that now. I just do it quietly. <laughs> In the, you did it to me. When? You would turn to me and, and answer. Oh, you said, yeah, any, that's at true. any open mic. That's true. You would turn to me and answer. So that's why Nate wants to go to more open mics. He's trying to hear me embarrass myself again. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to hear I'm trying to hear Joe's responses. <laughs> to more questions. Wild responses. <laughs> yeah, like the like the Hillary Clinton talking about so, somebody's doing a Hillary Clinton joke and uh, some mention of like a like a dick had come up and you would turn to me no you didn't even turn to me you said it to yourself out loud you were like damn that's a big dick somebody said something about like a 13 inch penis and I was like that's a big dick like <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I call it as I see it call it as I see it I'm glad I didn't see that but yeah I call it as I see it <laughs> yeah I remember because saying like you would you think you'd got funny at at, uh, at four I I remember I used to always make adults laugh, but it was, I, it took me a minute before I was able to make People kids my own laugh. age laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember like, I would like, in, like in middle, like in middle school or elementary school, I would like think of something and I'd be like, that's really funny. And I would say it and like, it would just go over kids' heads. Intelligence is were, definitely like, a part like, of the equation too, y'all. Yeah. For good comedy. I don't even know if it was intelligence. I think it's just... Uh, well, it's definitely intelligence. Insanity. Nah, if adults laughed at yeah. it, like, there had to be something that connected. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. logically or mentally. Yeah. What are, what are your comedy goals? Like, now that you're doing it, now that you... I mean, I know it's been a year, so the goals may change. But, like, as it stands today, like, you know, what are your goals? My goals are... I want to do four specials minimum. Okay. And I want to sell out Radio City Music Hall. Okay. Would you name that special Kid Gorgeous too? 
No, I would name it Dainty Hooligan. Dainty Hooligan. And it would be my third. It would be my third special. <laughs> I tell you, I did already start working on my second special, and I named it after. Uh, did you? I named it after a Richard Pryor special. Um, what is it? It's called Something's Wrong with You. Instead of that nigga's crazy, but because uh, people always say that to me, like something's wrong with you. So and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's yeah, I'd say it's either. I'd, I'd say it's those, and then um, I wanna, I wanna either. I like, I like talking about future comedy goals a lot. I wanna, I wanna either sell out DKR. What's DKR? The UT Stadium. Okay. That's the UT football. Oh, Daryl K. Royal. Or mm-hmm. why do I know that? Why do I know that? That and all of Will Smith's discography. <laughs> you know that as well. So ashamed to admit it, but yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, so a DKR or the Moody Center, their new basketball stadium okay. or arena. Yeah. And what would you call that one? I don't know. It would have to be something. It would, honestly, I don't even think. I don't even think either of those would be in my main four. That would have to be like a like a later special. That makes sense. I definitely want to do you know a I mean? special in uh, Fairmont. That's like the hotel that Brianna and I stayed at when we flew into Austin to you know to look at places to look at the city, see if we were gonna move here. Um, yeah. So that one's gonna be called Point of Origin. No, I'm just playing. I don't have no name. I don't know. <laughs> that's gonna be that one's gonna be called the Fairmont Hotel. But you know that that's true. <laughs> The Fairmont Hotel. How creative. It's, um, Just name the special where you're performing. <laughs> Shit, nobody else has done that before, though. This is going to be called the Wilbur Theater. It's going to be somebody else, though. I already got names for mine. <laughs> this one's going to be called McDonald's oh, yeah. on Slaughter. <laughs> Slaughter is a street <laughs> in South Austin. <laughs> this one's going to be good. So you were saying... This that- is going to be called 10 Nuggets for a Dollar. Wow. Dog, side note, back when I was in college, there was like a good year or two years where they were selling double quarter pounders and Big Macs for a dollar a piece. That's you understand how much weight, bro? I put on so much weight that year. Like you put, you put on pounds. Pounds. You pull up to McDonald's with a five dollar bill. You leave it with five Big Macs. Like it was ridiculous. (laughs) They may be still doing it. It was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was ridiculous. You're trying to kill us. That's something. Honestly, dude, if I pulled into the drive-thru and saw that on the menu, I would be concerned. I was concerned. I'd be like, what's going on? What's going on with these burgers? You were concerned, and then you pulled out of the drive-thru with five big No, no, no. I was concerned about when it was going to stop. Like, (laughs) (laughs) this is too good to be true. What's this, a week? Like, let me get five. You were like, I I need to know now. I need to know now. Speaking of needing to know now, you were talking about you like to, you love talking about like future comedy goals. And I've talked to people before, shit, myself included. Like, I think to maintain my sanity, sometimes I have to look in the future because if I look at where I'm at today, it gets very depressing very fast. Oh, yeah. What do you think it is about like future planning that excites you? Or that like, you know, that gets I you, think it's... you know. Yeah, excites a good word. I think, uh, also, maybe another goal is the Mark Twain Award, because I didn't know that award existed. This man has a goal for an award he didn't even know existed. But continue, Nate. <laughs> but continue. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> it's all right. When you do win, I'm the, mad about it. When you win the prize, I'll just be able to play this. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that, too. Motherfucker. Probably win it yeah, before me, too. Son of a bitch. 
you'll you'll assassinate me when I win it. No, nah, you be no. Nah, I, <laughs> I would present it happily because you won it the year before. Nah, I would just present it happily, it even if yeah, they do it every year. Even if I didn't want it, like I will say that I do have the ability to be happy for people I know. It's hard for it's hard to be happy for people I don't know, just because I'm sure it's got something to do with the way my brain's hardwired. But sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Oh, but to answer your question, um, I think it's I think it's just I for me it might be a combination of two things. I think one, it's seeing having seen those goals achieved by people you admire. Okay. And just being like the idea of also being there and like having everything kind of validated and achieving that Mm -hmm. would be incredible. And then also that moment of after you do it and then you look back on everything you did to get there. And it's like, this is all like, it's it's like when you finish a video game, like in the beginning of the game, you're just like, Oh, I can't wait till I get this item or till I beat this boss. Mm -hmm. And then you do either of those things and you're able to look back and you're just like, I just played the whole game and I had a blast doing it. That's right. So moving towards this, moving towards this goal. I feel kind of like what you had said. I think, I think it's essential because like, like again, like when you play a video game, you don't go, Oh, my goal is to just beat level one. And then level two comes along and you're like, Oh, my goal is to beat level two. Like, that's not how you play a video game. Now, some people do think that way. And that's, and that's crazy to me. Like, like I understand having like the little goals, like, cause I have small goals Mm -hmm. like in comedy, but at the end of the day, it's all towards radio city. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that's my final boss. That's the vision. That's the vision. That's not your final and that's boss. what's going to keep me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I'll be like, okay, I've done, I've done what I needed to do and now I can do more. Yeah. But like, and that's what gets me through level one, two, three, and four. So you want to be, I mean, pretty much like this John Mulaney from scratch tour. You want to be moving from stadium to stadium to stadium. I don't even know. I don't know if I would do, if I would do stadiums. Or I mean, I mean, I might. I would consider Daryl K. Royal. That's a stadium. That is a stadium. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know about a stadium tour because I've even I've thought I've given a good amount of thought to this. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would do stadiums. I'd maybe do like the DKR. Like this is my one stadium show. Mm-hmm. But not like um, consistently. Like I'm going to this stadium yeah. and then this stadium. Um, uh, see, that's something I want. But I mean, do. who knows? Well, if it you, might. It might change and my management's like you you have to do stadiums because we can't you can't just be at a theater for 10 nights that's true or your pockets just say like hey you realize how much more money we could make with all these other people in this stadium hey bro i think it's cool you'd be making more money than the lakers that's true i mean i think about like taylor swift i feel like taylor swift is making more money than like a lot of sports organizations because she's selling out the same stadiums that it takes them two teams to sell out. She's selling them out on multiple days back to back to back. You know what I mean? Facts. And that's like, whoa, that's real. That's, I mean, I would, that was one of the reasons I quit football. Like I remember we were playing in the Kansas city chiefs stadium. This is my last season, obviously. And we were losing. And I looked up and I'm just looking at all the people there. And, um, you know, realizing how many people it took to get all these people in here. It took, you know, two 53-man rosters plus two front office staffs, two PR departments, ESPN, all these things to sell out this arena eight times a year because, you know, eight home games a year. 
And then I looked up and yeah. saw an ad, and it was like, Taylor Swift's going to be here, and it's sold out, you know, this day, this day, and this day. And I'm like, hold on, bro. First of all, you have an ad <laughs> saying that your sh- show is sold out. You're getting nothing from this ad but clout. Like, <laughs> so, clout. Second of all. This ad's pissing me off. No, it wasn't pissing me off. It just opened, I feel like it opened my eyes. I was like, that's significant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that changes lives. And then honestly, a part of it too is like I always felt like my parents never wanted me. And I think that awards and accolades help me feel like a person of significance. Like it's almost like looking for something that you obviously ain't gonna ever get. But I think I, I think part of me does look for that in the awards and the acknowledgments and good shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel that. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think that? What am I trying to say? Do you think that you may be looking for other things inside of these accolades, or is it just like a strict like? I think, I think it's more. Um, I think for me, it's kind of almost like an "I told you so." Okay, can you uh, unpack because, that? Yeah. Cause, cause I don't cause I love, I love saying, saying things mm-hmm. that I'm going to do. Like, I, like that's something that I've, that I've always done throughout my life. Like in college, in high school, I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this school. And then that didn't happen. I'm going to graduate at this rank in my class. That didn't happen. And telling people that, and then not doing it. Like I've dealt with, like, I've had to like, I've dealt with like a lot of guilt from disappointing people mm-hmm. and stand up is no different. And I've told people, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell out this place, this place, this place, this place. And if I were to do that, if I were to get, obtain these accolades, I could then show them and just be like, Hey, I, I did what I said I was going to do. Sounds like you want to show yourself. I'm not a therapist, but it sounds like the person that really you know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The healing will come when you show, oh, look what I did, look what I did. But when you show the dude in the mirror, I feel like that's when it's going to really hit you. Like, huh, I feel better now. Oh, most, most definitely. Yeah. Because I think, I think those nights, those nights that I'm just like kind of laying and I'm just like, I should be, I should be some, like I should be doing this, this, and this. And it's like, it's like, that doesn't like the fact that I'm not doing it doesn't bother anybody else but me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one beating myself up about it. So yeah, I think that's a hundred percent. I think that's totally valid. Is that, that a habit that you have of beating yourself up? My therapist says that oh, I'm in an yeah. abusive relationship with myself. Oh, I'm a hundred percent there. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, for sure. Like, I'll, yeah, it's always just like, like if I'm like scrolling through Instagram and I see some, I see something, I'm just like, I should be on that show, but I'm not oh, putting in the work God. to be on that show. Okay, that's very unhealthy, man. Yeah, because like the reality no, it's, is, you can't it's, be on every show. No, I I understand, but it's but the thing is, it's like it's that whole like I know I can be on that show if I do this, but then I'm not doing that, and then that it's a whole spiral, it's and then I'm just ball, like I'm yeah. like why aren't you doing like looking at myself in the mirror like why aren't you doing enough like if you love this thing so much why aren't you doing it, and then I think with that ironically, I put more stress on myself mm-hmm. to do it. And then it becomes something I have to do rather than something I want to do. And so I want to do it less. So what do you do to relieve that stress? Or like, do you have an outlet 
when you get in these uh, head spaces? I not really. No. If I'm gonna be honest with you, like I got like like I like I could like hang out with people and like talk to people, and that's like a good distraction. Mm-hmm. But no, because because anything I try to do kind of comes back to oh this is this is what you're going to occupy yourself with instead of going instead of going and writing or going on stage that's real yeah, yeah. We're, a but, lot, we're a lot alike in that aspect yeah but when i get on stage and i do well like uh like the barbershop show mm-hmm. like after i got off i was like that was fan that was phenomenal mm-hmm. like that was like this is what i'm supposed to do like this is like like i've it's not like I get on stage and bomb and then just get off. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like I get, like I validate myself Mm -hmm. whenever I do perform, whenever I finally get around to doing it. Um, you definitely need, it's just just hard. You need not a, no, I wouldn't call it a necessary distraction, but something like everybody needs, everybody needs breaks. Like even as someone who started football super late, it wasn't like I was working and doing football for 365 days a year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I know it seems like, and this is to you and anybody else who's listening, because this is something I've had to learn. Like, I know it may seem like, oh, I'm not, you know, this is a wasted day. I didn't do anything comedy related or I didn't do anything, whatever you want to replace comedy with. But in actuality, like, even if you look at the human body, like rest is a very important factor in the equation. Otherwise, you'll either burn out or go insane or both. Um, Yeah. And you got to find some kind of outlet, some kind of. First of all, okay, there's a couple of things that you said. First of all, most of these shows that you see that you're scrolling by right now, I feel like in five years won't even matter to you. You know what I mean? Like, and I've said this to other people too, like myself included. Like, and if you ain't going to be mad about it in five years, don't be mad about it now. Just worry about just, you know, taking the opportunities you do have, making the most of them and keeping it moving. Because the reality is long-term consistency will always be short-term intensity. You know what I mean? Like, there's a bunch of people who right now are like, oh, I'm going to do comedy. They're hitting seven open mics a night. You will not see them by the time the winter comes. You know what I'm saying? I think that um, I think that sometimes there's just a process, and now I'm talking to myself as, as well as you and everybody else, and sometimes you got to trust the process. Even though you may beat yourself up about it, even though you may, you know, have all these doubts, second guesses, you still got to trust the process. And one thing that's helped me is, like, doing research on people I look up to as backgrounds. Like, that's, that's what gave me the... Uh, that's how I got into stand up in the first place, Richard Pryor. Like, because I never heard a comedian talk about like things that it, that were relatable to me in terms of like how I grew up and, you know, the fact that I'm like so obviously broken that it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like seeing that, you know, I, I tell myself that when I get frustrated like that, like my heroes felt this way too, you know? And it's okay to feel that way, but you do need something like a hobby. Um, just something else that you're really interested in and passionate about that can give you a break from thinking about comedy. Cause you'd be surprised like when you come back, like how much, you know, like how much more refreshed you feel and how many more new ideas you have. It's just like the human body. If you lift weights every day and you don't take a rest, your muscles ain't going to grow, you know? 
Yeah. But that's why everyone has that off day in the gym. But I think it's the same. Now, luckily, I've been able to, like, you know, I got comedy and music, so that's a perfect, like, oh, this is pissing me off right now. I'm going to do some music stuff. Oh, this is pissing me off right now. I'm going to go write some jokes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, yeah, you got to, because if this is, I mean, this is, sounds like it's something you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. You're going to need to take breaks between now and when you die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I, That's real. It sounds kind of productive in the world that we're growing up in, or growing up in, like we kids, living in right now where everybody's always like, I'm grinding. And you see people on social media, I don't ever sleep. I'm like, motherfuckers are lying. All right. I'm okay. They're not lying. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a night where they didn't sleep, but it ain't like these people just never sleep. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I think it's about, I, I don't know. I think it's more about like, I mean, you got, you got, you know where you're trying to go. And pretty much I would just make every decision based off that. Is this going to get me where I'm trying to go? Including shows. Yeah. Like if it's a shitty show that's in somebody's garage and, you know, at three in the morning, is that going to really help you get to Radio City? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I would, I would, I would consider those things too. Cause you are going to need something when you are like doing this thing consistently, like you want to be. And you don't want to have to wait till then to find it. Because usually when people wait that long, it becomes drugs. And I don't need you to turn into a crackhead. Yeah. Oh, dude, I can't afford to be a crackhead, man. Yeah, not right now. I mean, there was a point in John Mulaney's life when he couldn't afford to be on drugs. That's true. You know, there was a time he couldn't afford this shit. There was a time my ass couldn't afford to be on drugs. Now, that's not saying I'm smoking (laughs) crack. But, you know, like... Dude, I'm telling you, if if we got crackheads in, like, the Senate to like deal with like the US's budget and like the US's debt. They spend it on crack. No, they would spend it on crack. No, 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 no. No, dude. No, 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 no. Think about think about the price of cocaine of like of crack. Okay. Like these drug addicts are getting that like hundreds of dollars like that just to buy more drugs. How are they getting that money? They're homeless. By robbing people and doing odd jobs. I mean, I know you I haven't seen it that. in Austin, but like I've had many a crackhead walk by me at the bus stop. Hey, brother, you. I mean, they come in the gas. I'm mean, not the gas station. They come in the barbershop selling stolen shit. You know, like it's it's dude, like, dude, these are my rims. Yeah, like, hey, you want to buy this, bro? I that's watched. My, I watched you steal those. Now put them back before I, I shoot you. you. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, if you're gonna shoot me, who gonna put them back? Like, mother, smart ass crackheads. But yeah, like, dude. That, yeah, that's yeah, crackhead. That money don't just come from nowhere. Let's do a crackhead show where we just put crackheads on stage. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm, you can have that. I'm okay with that. I you do can not do that. Work with crackheads. I mean, no offense to the crackheads, but I ain't trying to work with a crackhead. No offense to the crackhead community. None at all. But I think we can say objectively that members of the crackhead community have been known to be unreliable and unprofessional. So, God, that was that's, that's pretty politically yeah. correct. And that just doesn't that doesn't align with my brand. I think that's the most politically correct thing said about crackheads. <laughs> It doesn't align with my brand. <laughs> These aren't the things. Our, our our mission statements are just off off course. I'm sorry. Here's the thing, man. At the end of the day, after speaking with my team, I just don't think this is where I should be heading. You know, <laughs> working with these crackheads. Speaking of that, speaking of like where you should be heading, what are some things? I mean, it's probably too many things. What are some things that you are doing currently to like? help you become the person that you want to be? 
Um, dang. Don't shortchange the future plans either. You'd be surprised. Like you'd be surprised how many people don't have a vision. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think I I want to take I want to take like inventory of myself and how I feel and listen and like start listening to myself and like what I need because I've noticed that throughout my life I have I have what has been called a Peter Parker brain. Mhm to where like if somebody needs something or if somebody's in trouble I will drop everything no matter how it affects me and go help them or like does that make you better like give it can it has yeah cuz like I know that's not a um, that's not a normal you know human thing like what I, yeah sorry, it's sorry it's made me off. it's burned me out yeah but, it's burned me out for sure but i mean like does it make you mad like Let's just say you dropped everything to help. I'm just making up a name. Let's say you dropped everything to help Frank, and then you need some help. And Frank's like, ah, sorry, bro. Uh, gives you some bullshit excuse. Are you kind of like, fuck Frank? Or are you just like, oh, he's probably busy. Thankfully, I haven't had to deal with a Frank like that. Okay. But yeah, that would probably that would probably piss me off. That's real. But then, but then I wouldn't know, like, just the way I am, I don't. I don't hold anything towards really anybody. So I'd probably like the next time Frank's like, Hey, could you help me with this? I'd probably be like, yeah. So you just don't, probably. do you not get mad or do you just only get mad at yourself? I only get mad at myself. I find it very hard to get mad about something else or at someone else. Huh? So like if you were in a relationship only, and your girlfriend slapped you, you be like, you know, that's your fault for leaving your face unguarded. Like you should always be defensive. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of. Or it's in it's in more of just like uh that pro like that probably came from a place that I a, a place from you that I don't fully understand. So I'm a, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna let that slide. That would meant more for you than it did to me. Would you consider yourself mentally healthy? Cause these are very mentally healthy thoughts. That's why I'm asking. Really? I think so. I mean, granted, I, we're not talking about, I'm talking specifically about how you just said you would react to that or someone doing something like that to you. Like, I realize that that's not coming. Like, like those kind of thoughts don't even, I'm always in awe when I hear people say that because my first thought is always like, this person needs to die. Like, that, yeah, they need to die. They've wronged me. They need to die. Like, I need retribution. I don't care what's going yeah. on. You know what I mean? That's why I asked you that. that. I, I think I think I have mentally health, men, mentally healthy tendencies. Okay. Um, but I think I think if I were to sit down, I think if I were to sit down in front of somebody, in front of like a licensed physician, mm -hmm. they would be able to they'd be able to find something. Does that scare you? Oh, immensely. Really? Why? I don't. Know. I think it's just. It's that it's going through that that hurt to heal. Cause like thankfully I've been lucky enough to where I just I've had very few to very few to no experiences where I've truly just been broken. And I'm afraid that if I were to I were to take that step and some and like a, 
a physician were to find something like that and dig deeper into something that I didn't even know was there. And it, and it just broke me. Like, I, like, I don't know what I, I don't know how I would react to that. It's that fear of that unknown. Like, I don't even know what's going on. That's the thing though. You're already broken. Like whatever the, whatever the physician will point out would be from tendencies and things that you're already presenting. I think if anything, they would just give you answers to like, you know, this is why you beat yourself up. And these are the things we need to do to get you to think differently and that kind of stuff. I'm just saying like, I, I understand the fear part. I mean, it took me like four years to accept my mental illness diagnosis. But like years later now, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I mean, it didn't change me. It just let me know more about myself. And, you know, the more you know about yourself, I think the, I don't know, like the more you know about yourself, the better in a good way. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I dig that. Is it, do you think part, do you think part of it's the stigma behind mental health? Like that's why you're afraid of, that's why you would be afraid of someone diagnosing you or meeting with a therapist. No, I think I think I'm like because both of, like both of my sisters have like have had therapists like for a good for most of their childhoods. Shout out to Nate's sisters. Um, so I think I didn't even know you had a, siblings. <laughs> I think I've definitely told you that before. <laughs> that you've had sisters? Nah, I would have remembered that you had sisters. You, pro- I, I would have remembered that. You know, I don't I, know. I might not have. But I don't um, know. Are you, yeah, you know now. So are you the youngest? But, are you the middle? Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Okay. Which maybe, which maybe that might have been that might be a thing, as well that plays into it because since I was the oldest and both of my sisters had like had gone through that kind of like dark time, mm-hmm. maybe a part of me is also like, well, I'm the oldest. Like I shouldn't. Like they both already went through that. I shouldn't have to go through that. Like, can you unpack we what that means be. by a dark time? Um, well, like for like for example, my one of my sisters like had a de- like a horrible just struggle with anxiety and just kind of borderline agoraphobia, mm-hmm. and then uh, my other sister like had a really serious battle with like depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and whatnot. So I, I think watching both of them go through that a part of me is like, well, I'm the big brother. I need to be able to be strong and like mm-hmm. help them through that, which in a way might do more harm than good for them. Not, not just for them, but for also, also for me, for you because more I, than them. I, what was that for you more than them? For sure. I think so too, because I think doing that, what do doing that during like those like peak development years mm-hmm. of my childhood made it to where I don't really know how to process how I feel mm-hmm. and like emotions come and go because I wouldn't have time. Like I, I don't have time to process it because I have to go, I have to deal with this other stuff because their issues are more important than my own. And I can just, I can sideline what I'm dealing with. And then by the time I could, I could get to it, it's already gone. And we've moved on. I feel that. So maybe that's it. So would you say that they're both like, Like out of those places, or like, do they still deal with these things? Or I'd say to an extent they deal with them, but they're definitely better than they used to be. That's real. By my, by miles. That's real. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the second sister, you were talking about the depression and suicidal ideations and all that. 
That's you know that's my yeah. that's my five o'clock to seven o'clock every day. <laughs> yeah, but, like it's it's rough. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it, it is rough. But what's even rougher is, like you said, and I mean, I get it. All the things that you've overlooked to help others, and I mean, it's it's great to be a servant. But like, if no, I mean, if you don't take care of yourself, anybody else gonna take care of you. You know. Yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, this is just me talking. I think it's okay to, like, be afraid of these things or, you know, be a little apprehensive about them because I was too. But I will say that, like, just like any surgery, okay, any, you know, surgery that you need or any medicine that you need, like, sometimes cough syrup tastes terrible going down, but it will stop the cough or it will at least help, you know? Um, Yeah. And on top of that, you seem like you don't seem like you have a lot of first person narrative in your comedy and like someone like you knowing more about yourself will only help you in trying to get to these goals that yeah. you're talking about. And yeah, every day in therapy ain't great. <laughs> but I I mean, this is, you know, I'm a big proponent of therapy because um, I feel like as human beings, we always talk about how everything's mental. You know, this is 90% mental, 10% physical, but no one wants to take care of their brain or their mind or their feelings, their emotions. Um, yeah. But I do think therapy could help with some of these things that you were talking about as far as like, um, you know, like the beating yourself up. Obviously, it won't happen tomorrow, but the beating yourself <laughs> up stuff, uh, the and yeah, you probably will uncover some emotion. I mean, I remember my first time meeting with a therapist and I told, and this, is, this wasn't even the therapist that I meet with now, but it was a female therapist and we talked about like my childhood. She's like, what's your earliest childhood memory? And I told her my earliest childhood memory and by the end of it, she's crying. And I'm like, what's the problem? I thought everybody lived that way. Like I thought everybody, you know, grew up and went through these things and that kind of thing. And it was in therapy that I found out, like you were saying, like, damn, I'm, I'm fucked up, you know? Um, but it's also made me that much more confident in who I am. And it's honestly one of the reasons why I don't really care about what other people think anymore. And not, not, that's not to say like, I just run around slapping people or anything like that, but you can tell like on stage, I'm not a people pleaser. Like y'all gonna hear what I want to talk about. You know, like you here to listen, I'm here to speak. And, oh, you didn't like that one for sure. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I do think it could help, like, especially in the long run with what you're trying to do, because whether you know it or not, you keep on going down this comedy path, you will continue to, like, look internally. Because that's where most of your jokes come from, your thoughts, your feelings, you know, your emotions. Um, yeah. So you're going you're gonna to dig deep whether you want to or not. You may as well have some help is what I'm saying. Eventually. Yeah. When I think you're that's ready. A, I think that's another big thing is I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to look internally. And I think that, I think being able to like talk to somebody that that's what they specialize in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it could only help me. Yeah. And take some weight off your shoulders. Yeah. You know, cause I know that anxiety comes with that mindset, the Peter Parker brain, like you were talking about. I know it's just not just like, Oh, I'm just dropping everything and moving on. Like, I know there's stress in that. I know that there's apprehension yeah. in that, you know? Um, and I know it can be mentally and emotionally taxing too. And, sure. and I mean, too, so I'm the oldest 
of two, uh, three siblings too. And like, yeah, I mean, at a point, you know, yeah, you're the oldest and all that other kind of stuff. But like at a point, you know, you live in your life too. And yeah. you can be, you know, the best, the best, you know, if you can be the best you that you can be for yourself, that'll make you the best you that you can be for everybody else. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, not to mention too, if you get a therapist, you don't even have to hit open mics no more. You just run your jokes by your therapist. And they're like that. They're like that rocks. Yeah, it's like, hey, that's pretty funny. Hey, that's not that, that's not funny at all. To be honest with you, like, I mean, dude. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. To be honest with you, let's unpack that. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think you should come in twice this week. <laughs> so I do. I do meet twice a week with my therapist, and it is funny because sometimes I will crack a joke, and she's like, oh, <laughs> and sometimes she's like, let's talk about that. Let's uh, you, let's talk about that. And you're like, damn it, damn it. Yeah, you said wasn't something even earlier <laughs> about an R. Kelly sex tape. I... <laughs> Let's talk about that. What do you? How does that make you feel? And you're just like, I was just running material by you. That's not even. But to be honest with you, that's why I do it now, because like I realize that like there are things that I say in my art that I don't say like out loud, and so sometimes I present my art to my therapist in order for her to not scrutinize it, but look through it for whatever she needs to look through it for. Because like I don't write in my journal much anymore because I've been writing so much material and writing songs. And so the, the thoughts are coming out. They're just coming out artistically. In a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be my advice to you. You're actually the first person I've given advice to on this show. Really? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. This is, a, this is the best episode of this podcast. That's true. Because I'm here. This is the best episode and it's all because of Nate. It's all because of me. That's what I said on Back's podcast at the top of the episode. <laughs> I said, this is going to be, I said, this is the best episode of this podcast. What did he say? He was like, shut up. <laughs> That's what he told me. So what do you want people, like, when, when you're dead, like, mm-hmm. dead, dead, like you've been dead for decades. What do you want, what do you want people to say about you? This is the last question, by the way. I know I've been like digging through the tunnels of your mind and subconscious, but this is the last one. You're like, dog, what the fuck did I sign up for? <laughs> yeah. I think. Even, even in the darkest times, even in the worst times, I never felt bad around him. Okay. I always felt good. Yeah, I always felt taken care of. So you got a real seen. heart for helping people. Maybe not even necessarily helping people, just making sure that they feel good. I feel like you just defined help. But yeah, no. I'm <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's helping people. I, I mean, I know you. you may not see it that way, but like, you trying to make people feel good, like I mean, you said it. People will always remember how you made them feel, and that's it's helpful. Shit, it's helpful to me. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe that is what that is. I think you are because you're right. I think I just I did just define helping people. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to have those pure intentions to want to help people and make other people's lives better. Yeah. Cause that's always, that's always been my thing with, with comedy. Uh, Cause I don't like, I don't like doing political stuff or like, like rate, like race based. Oh, well, you definitely because... going to need to uh, hit a therapist up then. Cause that means the most of your material <laughs> is going to be about you. I mean, just like your heroes, the, exactly. the people you said earlier, John Mulaney, Nate Bergazzi, uh, who else did you yeah, say? Yeah, it's all it's all that. Yeah, and that's, Eddie Murphy. That's where you get yeah. to. I mean, I'm. I guess that's what I've been trying to say this whole episode. That is where you're going to get to, to where like you will get on stage and all you talk about is yourself for an hour, and that's yeah. And which is where which is where I want to be. Yeah, but like kind of with what I with what I want to do with my comedy is like since they get all of that in the outside world, like people, like people are dealing with racism every day. People are dealing with like politics, the stress that is the world and politics. Mm -hmm. I would want people to come to my show and forget all that. Okay. And like, cause I, cause like there's some comics that'll just go on stage and like have a political rant for an hour. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't help anybody. They could have just watched CNN seriously or they like go and like, yeah, it's just like, you could have like, we're like, you can, yeah, like you can make those statements without telling the audience that you're making those statements. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what the I art think that's comes the best in. way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Spoon, like yeah, it's like the whole like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. That's true. Just kind of being that spoonful of sugar. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Austin's spoonful of sugar. Austin's spoonful of sugar. 100% cane sugar. That's a lot of sugar. Not imperial sugar, because fuck imperial sugar. <laughs> but yeah, that, this has shit. been Nate Klingon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Did you have anything else you wanted to leave us with? Like anything that you wanted to say know. that it was like, ah, oh, I didn't get a chance to say that. No, I think we kind of left it all out on the table. It's on the table, ladies and gentlemen. I got it. It's on the table. If you let, if you if you need it, come grab it. There you go. But don't grab but don't grab me. And don't grab I'll too much. You. And wash your hands. Wash your hands, dude. <laughs> if I'm in the bathroom, if I'm at the sink and I see you come out of a stall and walk past me, I'll know. Yeah, I'll know too. Just because I didn't see your face doesn't mean I don't know. The funniest thing is when you uh like when you I mean, I know the brat the Roma room is gone now, but like when you'll be at the Roma room and like you know, you're in the bathroom washing your hands. Some dude comes out the stall and just walks, you know, straight back into the comedy club. And then you get on stage. You can tell that dude's like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> Dude, yo, thankfully, I never saw a comic do it. Because if I did, I wouldn't let them on stage. No, no, no. I'm talking about like, their time. a person in the audience. An audience member? I saw an audience member. And, like, I remember the show because I was like, yeah, you know, I was with my daughter. And I washed my hands. And I just looked in his direction. I washed my hands. Uh <laughs> But yeah, wash your hands, ladies and gentlemen. Wash your hands before you take wash spoonfuls of sugar. Wash your hands, pick it up off the table, and get a spoonful of sugar. I love you all. Well, I will say this. You have very admirable goals. Um, Thank you. And you have... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, they're very pure. You know what I mean? Like, some people, it's like, you know, yeah. it's just me, 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 you know? And it's cool. Um... To hear someone saying like no it's not about me it's about all of us you know and the world needs more people like you thank you joe my pleasure and with that i am signing off all right 
we're done. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.